Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Our series this semester is on the Apostles' Creed. Uh, The Apostles' Creed, I'm going to tell you a little bit um, about it. But first, I want to give you the setting from which the Apostles' Creed came. Let's reverse in time and put yourself into uh, the first century AD. And there's this place called Nazareth, and this man named Jesus came from Nazareth to Jerusalem. And the journey that he made is documented in the four Gospels that we have uh, in the Bible. And this man, Jesus, was crucified. And hundreds of people saw him crucified. They were there at his trial. And then the unthinkable happened. The unimaginable happened. He rose from the dead. And those same people that saw him killed, saw him executed, saw him alive. They touched him. They embraced him. They uh, ate meals with him. They heard him teach. They walked with him. And then sometime later, he, has, he disappeared. And he said, I'm going up into heaven to be with my father, and I will come again soon. And ever since then, all people who call themselves followers of Jesus, or in other words, Christians, have awaited that second coming. And in those first few hundred years, um, as the followers of Jesus were uh, remembering what had happened that time in 33 AD and trying to figure out how to um, spread this message, this good news of salvation for the world, they began to write stuff. And so in the first few hundred years, these, these learned men came together and they wrote these creeds, basically just listing out what do we believe. And the Nicene Creed was one of the earliest and the Apostles' Creed was one of the earliest. These are in the fourth century. So very, very old. Now, Christians, when you think about Christian, you probably think like if you know anything about Christianity, that it maybe started with this man Jesus, but ever since it's just branched out and become so diverse and so fragmented and it's just scattered all over the world. And there's these different uh, sects and denominations. And, you know, the in 1500s, like the Reformation happened, this huge split. There's been nothing but schisms and division, right? Well, that is true. That is true about Christians. But what is also true is that all Christians, all followers of Jesus from all times and all places have always agreed on core beliefs that are found in scriptures. And the the attempt of the Nicene Creed, the attempt of the Apostles' Creed is to put that down in writing. And what you'll find is this amazing distillation, the summing up of the teaching of scriptures. And what's amazing, probably to me, more amazing than all of the branches and all the diversity ever since, is the unity that this shows. That if you are a Christian, this is what you're claiming to believe. And if maybe you're here tonight and you're not a Christian and you're exploring it and you're not really sure what Christianity is all about, the Apostles' Creed is also helpful 
for helping us understand, okay, this is what Christianity is all about. So basically this semester, we're gonna go line by line and use these lines, use these uh, statements uh, to help us understand what do Christians believe. And I, I don't want you to see as this simplistic kind of reductionistic exercise where you're just trying to get it down to the bite-sized piece, like for children. No, what I think you'll find is that this is deepening uh, what we maybe already knew about Christianity. And even for me and, and, and others who maybe have walked with Christ their entire lives, hoping to better understand and go deep into the roots of Christianity. I think this will strengthen your faith and maybe uh, for those of us, it might introduce you to the faith. So where do we start? Well, we begin at the beginning. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. This is what we're gonna focus on tonight. So here we go. I believe in God. I believe in God. Today, when we talk about belief, uh, we are probably, it's more common to hear like, I believe in you. You know, if somebody wants to encourage you, if somebody wants to say like, hey, you can do this, this test. I know you got it. I believe in you, uh, which is great. Um, or maybe you're, they're trying to build your self-esteem and to say, believe in yourself. You got this. You got this. Um, belief in God is maybe something we, or someone just to state it, I believe in God, maybe is a little bit more uncommon. I think we're probably more used to hearing someone say, I believe that God exists, or I believe that there probably is a God, or I believe that maybe there are a lot of different ways to get to God, et cetera, et cetera. But to that one little preposition, I believe in God makes a lot of difference. You see, what we're saying was we're not, we're not saying that uh, that intellectual assent that, yes, God is real. I believe that God exists. We're not saying that's incorrect or wrong, but there's something different about belief in God. It's a striking statement. It's more than just an intellectual statement where I believe that something is true, but it's belief in God. It's a trust. It's kind of putting your entire life on the line and saying, this is what I believe in. I believe in God. And now we could just stop there and just say, I believe in God. Great. That's all you need. Congratulations. Here we go. But I don't know about you, but if I'm gonna place my entire life on something, I kinda of wanna know a little bit more about it than just a name, right? We, we can say like, I believe in God, well, that's all you need, but there's more to know. And thankfully, God has revealed himself in scriptures to tell us who he is. Who is this God? Well, this God is Father. Wow. I believe in God the Father. Now, to describe God as Father, it might be surprising. Uh, it might be befuddling. It might be actually kind of disappointing. Uh, our own personal experiences with our fathers uh, that we all have 
uh, or maybe are not having a father around might be a big hurdle, a big obstacle for us to understand God as father. But I think there are two really important things that this reveals about God. It reveals that God is knowable as a personal being. He's knowable as a personal being. He's not a distant intellectual God that we just have to agree that logically, yeah, it kind of makes sense that we, we can't prove or disprove the existence of God. Therefore, yeah, I guess that makes sense. No, he's knowable in a personal sense. You know, there, there's so many different ways we use, use the word know, right? And we often use it in an academic environment. I know the information to pass that test, right? But this is more like, do you know your roommate? Are you getting to know other people in your classes? Do you have a personal relationship, a personal knowledge of them? And when it comes to God, we can say wholeheartedly, yes, we can know God. How? Because we're related to him. We're his children. He is our father. Now, this is remarkable. He's not an acquaintance. Uh, he's not a socially distanced uh, pod hangout buddy. He's our father doesn't say friend even. It doesn't say brother. No, it says father. So God made us in his image. Uh, we, we have done nothing ever since we were born but run away from him. And God the father is running towards us. And he's saying, come back to me. Come back to your daddy. And it's because of Jesus that we can call him father. We can say Abba, which is the Aramaic for Daddy, we can pray to him and say, Dad, help, help. Now, it's important to say here that going back to this idea of like baggage with our dads, you know, daddy issues, um, this God the Father is not a mistreating father. He's not even capable of abuse, neglect. He's not capable of letting us down in the ways that maybe our dads have let us down. Uh, he is holy. He is perfect. Um, all of you who maybe never have met your actual dad, maybe you've lost your dad, maybe uh, you just have arguments with your dad every time you talk to him, <laughs> and you're really happy to be away at college and not in his home. This is good news. To have God, the God of the universe, as our Father, we can know that He will not leave us or forsake us. He is always going to be there for you. Now, I choked up, warm and fuzzies everywhere, right? The God as Father, uh, I, I love that. I, I love it. I need it because I so often just need comfort, I need wisdom. I need somebody to run to, somebody to turn to, and that's who God is. But if you, if you think about it, when children are scared, who do they run to? They run to their parents, right? And it's not just because they're their parents, but because they're, it's not just because they're, they're you know, warm and soft, it's because they're bigger than them. It's because they're stronger. 
It's because they can protect them in most cases. Now, God is Father, but is He only that? If He's just an emotional um, uh, comfort, if He's just someone we can go to during hardship, that's one thing. But can He protect us from anything? We believe in God the Father Almighty. Almighty. He's not just mighty among other equally mighty gods. No, he is all mighty, meaning that there is no other God that has any competition with him. There's nothing that God can do in accord with his character or nature. There's no one more powerful than him. That means he has all of it, all of the power. Now, um, power is often something that we talk about in negative terms once again it's something that's very complex very complicated in our day and age we think of ways that power corrupts good men and women uh, we think of how power in the hands of the wrong people history proves things can go terribly terribly wrong often when we think about power we think of either i wish that person didn't have that power because they're oppressing others or I wish I had more power so that I could do more or overcome that which is wrong. But if God exercises his power in a perfectly just and holy way, then we know that it's right for him to have all the power. Now, it's really hard to kind of really believe this, in our world today. I think, um, especially in America, we value independence. Uh, we value self-expression, wanting to seek our own empowerment. We want to uh, cast off anyone who might have power over us. And I want to affirm here, anyone who oppresses others, they shouldn't have that power. And many times in history, we've seen a great freedom and great joy and good things happen when people in power are overthrown. And those who are oppressed are set free from that oppression. But yet, when it comes to God, this endless pursuit of empowerment, meaning self-empowerment, um, I want to examine the consequences of that. Let's look what it actually leads to. It leads us to isolation and fear. If we are the only ones we can trust, if we need to keep control over our lives, then uh, we need to keep others at bay. We need to keep others at a distance. I think we see epidemics of anxiety, depression, uh, a ton of polarization, a ton of fighting, conflict, mistrust, loneliness. We could go on and on and on. I think so much of this has to do with running away or denying the fact that God is a Father Almighty. Now, we can overemphasize his might and his power, right? Uh, I lived a, a little while in, in a country that was predominantly Muslim, and I had a lot of uh, Muslim friends, and uh, they reminded me from time to time that Islam means submission. And I think that's a really a great ideal, right? To submit to God 
to allow him to be powerful and to acknowledge your weakness. There's this great book, it's called, I Dared to Call Him Father. And it's about a woman who converts from Islam to Christianity. And just in the title alone, you can kind of see um, the summation of the difference that she saw between Islam and Christianity. That she in Islam could say, yes, I need to submit to Allah. But in Christianity, we see an all-powerful God that we are called to submit to who is also our father. This is amazing. In Islam, it's heretical. God as father. This God who is perfectly holy, the one true God who has all power. It's our joy and it's um, our work as Christians to bring our lives underneath his power and might. This is a great joy. Um, and it might sound like just a completely self-effacing uh, life that Christians are supposed to leave. It might sound like we have to just give up everything and say, God, you're powerful. And, and we have no lives after that. Well, I think the next clause actually gives us a more full idea of what the Christian life is all about. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Now, there's a lot of things to say about God making heaven and earth, but in heaven and in earth, that includes you. That includes me. He created us. And it says that he created us in his image and likeness. And just by the, the very fact that he made us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. Um, in Psalm 139, for you, knit, you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Before we were even born, God was making us, the little parts of us. It says, I praise you for I am, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, so we are invited to believe not just in God, not just in God the Father, not just in God the Father Almighty, but God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And if he made you, you know, the, the designer of something, someone who creates something, understands its purpose better than anyone, right? He understands the way that it's going to be uh, used for the best purposes, the highest ideal of that thing that is made, the designer knows, the creator knows. And so in the same way, God as our creator, he knows what's best for us. He knows what will make us come alive the most. He knows what will bring us the most joy, the most happiness, the most peace, and everlasting life in him. And so submitting to him, calling him father, saying, I believe in God, is saying, I want to live the way I was supposed to live, the way I was designed to live. So we're invited to believe, to run to, and rest in, to trust in this powerful creator, father, God. I just want to end by reading some scripture. I just want to kind of read it. Um, I don't have it up on the, on the slide because I just kind of want you to listen. Uh, if you want to, just close your eyes. But it kind of sums up 
uh, some of what we've been talking about. It's Psalm 33, 4 through 22. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man from where he sits enthroned. He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all of their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Heavenly Father, we just ask that the short, simple statement that we've read in the Apostles' Creed will sink deeply into our hearts that we will believe in God, the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth. Lord, help us to grow deeper and deeper every day in our understanding of what that means and who you are to us. Lord, we pray this by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.